genre. Doctor's Companion presents Doctor Who, The Long Way Round, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli, and even this one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we are discussing Time Flight, the fifth Doctor's seventh story. Uh, This is from... uh, 1982, March, the spring, the springtime. Yep. That's true. Uh, written by Peter Grimway, directed by Ron Jones, produced, of course, by John Nathan Turner. Mm-hmm. That guy. Story edited by yeah. the one and only Eric Sayward. Boo. Boo, indeed. <laughs> featuring, the pl- <laughs> featuring the plasmatons. Um, so, so uh, time flight is... Uh, I would call I would call it an interesting story, but it's really just the it's the story of how a, 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 an episode this lousy gets produced. Um, so uh, so Grim Wade, uh, Peter Grim Wade, who uh, had been working on Doctor Who since Spearhead from Space in 1970, where he worked as a production assistant, he went on to become uh, a, a, a director. Um, for uh, these these uh, this show, and he went. He directed um, an episode called Full Circle, and an, uh, and the episode Legopolis. Uh, and for some reason, he also fancied himself a writer, and had been trying to get a uh, a script made for Doctor Who about uh, this one specific thing, which is an evil force coming into control of a rogue element amongst an alien species. This was his That's this was his idea and so <laughs> uh he was at Heathrow Airport one day and then was like, "Oh, it'd be cool to do that story here." And so we talked to uh John Nathan Turner who was like, "Yeah, cool, let's do it." So then together they came up with a story uh a storyline with the title Xanadin, um a name which uh was was basically conceived to be intentionally bizarre. They just wanted like a nonsense word. Um so Xanadin, uh this was in March of 1980 and uh uh Grim Wade wrote Xanadin uh which was then renamed uh Zerafin and uh he wrote it and then at, when he turned in the script um, they were like, okay, great. We need you to direct uh, uh, Logopolis. Also, uh, that's <laughs> going to be the last, uh, last story for the fourth Doctor. Um, so you're going to have to rewrite your script to have the fifth <laughs> Doctor. So he directs Logopolis and then starts rewriting the script to have 
uh, to, to feature the fifth doctor, the new fifth doctor. Um, and, uh, and then he turns in that version of the script and they're like, okay, great. Hey, we need you to put the master in this because we're going to have the master in uh, two episodes a season. So the master is going to be in this. So you need to write him into the show also. So he does that and he writes another draft where the, he turn he makes the, the villain, the master in disguise. Um, and <laughs> the master, not the master of disguise, no, the master in disguise. <laughs> so he is incidentally the master of disguise as well. Um, so he writes another draft of this thing. And uh, he turns that in, and then and then John Nathan Turner is like, "So bad news, <laughs> we killed off Adric, so you're gonna have to rewrite <laughs> it again." Wow. <clears throat> so this script, um, which uh, you know was was poorly conceived to begin with, was rewritten to solve problems like five times, uh, and basically by the end of this uh i think the final draft like he was literally just he was just taking adric's dialogue and just giving it to other characters like he wasn't <laughs> he like wasn't really rewriting it at that point and so like it's just it's just like this unfortunate thing where one he's not a great writer uh in general but then to make matters worse they made him you know rewrite the script over and over and over and over again um so uh they start filming it and then in the middle of filming all of the crew were basically like you know i really hate having to try to pronounce xerophon uh so because it's spelt with an x and so everyone was like i what how do you say this um and so uh, the crew just started calling it time flight because they didn't want to say xerophon and then the episode just got renamed as a result yeah and oh my gosh <laughs> i mean to be fair time flight is a much e a sayable and b accurate title for this story i would say yeah yeah, in in, for in sure. the way that in the way that Avengers Endgame should have been called Time Heist. Yeah, th- th- this is a <laughs> this is a time flight. Yeah, true, true. Um, so uh, let's see. So the 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 BBC had a um had a rule about uh, uh episodes having to have different crew members for each position. Like you couldn't double up. So like producers couldn't write episodes, script editors couldn't write episodes or direct episodes. And uh, uh, writers could not direct episodes. So while Peter Grimwade had directed episodes of Doctor Who, he was not allowed to direct the episode that he wrote. Um, so originally, they hired Andrew Morgan to direct Time Flight, um, then called Xerophon. And uh, Andrew Morgan accepted it and then got the scripts and was so unimpressed with Grimwade's scripts that he actually uh, left at the last minute. Um, cause he just, he thought it sucked so much. Now here's the funny thing about, about Andrew Morgan. Uh, Andrew Morgan had not directed an episode of Dr. Who yet at this point. Um, however, uh, he would go on to direct a, a couple of Dr. Who episodes. And, uh, the fact that he turned this down because the scripts weren't strong enough, is made all the funnier when you find out that the episode that he did direct was Time and the Ronnie. Ooh. Yep. 
So. Wow. wow. Yeah, out, of the, out of the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Um, so Andrew Morgan. Now this, this is cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Morgan leaves and uh, they have no choice but to turn to Ron Jones who uh, John Nathan Turner had recently uh, hired as a first-time director to uh, make Black Orchid. Um, so he basically was like wrapping up Black Orchid, and John Nathan Turner was like, good news, <laughs> you're going back on set right now. Um, and so it was like with like day's notice or something like that. Uh, wow. Ron Jones came in and, and directed this. Uh, so it's like, it's sort of like, you, you know, we, we talk about all of these things, and you just sort of start to realize, like, okay, this episode's really bad. But, you know, in retrospect, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, like, if you look at yeah. what where it came from or, like, yeah. the road that led here, it, it just seems like a series of passing the buck. Yeah, for sure. And, like, trying to fix something. I don't – yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I didn't hate this, to be very honest. Well, I mean, funny, funny you should say that because um, so at the time, and uh, this is this is kind of funny. Uh, at the time, this episode, the first episode of Time Flight, due to the final episode, the way that the show ended at the end of Earthshock, the previous uh, serial. Um, Time Flight was the 26th most watched episode of British television ever. <laughs> uh, wow. And it was the most successful episode in John Nathan Turner's entire producership. Uh, it was huge, massive. It was a massive, massive hit. And uh, it was basically the reason the first episode of Time Flight, the numbers that he got on that episode were the reason why the BBC refused to hire anyone else for so long. Um, you know, no matter how many times John Nathan Turner tried to get out of this show, the, the BBC would constantly say, if you leave, we're going to cancel it. Yeah. Wow. And so John Nathan Turner felt trapped on Doctor Who. And it's because of this episode, because of how because well of it time. performed. Yeah. Y look, we can't fire the guy that made Time Flight. <laughs> <laughs> look at these numbers. The people love Time Flight. And, and uh, love it they did. Because uh, in, in uh, uh, Doctor Who Monthly... Uh, 1669 issue 69 there was a um a, po nice. a poll yeah there was a poll <laughs> that uh was basically like what was the best serial um uh what was the best serial of uh of uh of uh season 19 and uh it was placed very high above Castrovalva for to doomsday and kinda what? Yeah. And in the um like so it was it was like very very high as far as like people's opinion of this story when like shortly after it happened then in 2009 in like it was literally that was that was issue 69 of Doctor Who Monthly in Doctor Who Monthly 413 they, they made a mighty 200 poll which was like the 200 stories that had been produced so far they were like let's rank them mm -hmm. and it was cited at 196 
<laughs> wow. So, it's like a reverse, it's like a reverse, uh, prequel situation. Yeah. Like Star Wars prequels. Yeah. Yeah. So it actually, uh, it got, it got much worse in, uh, in people's eyes. And one of the explanations for this is that there had been a massive shift in negative momentum, uh, due to fan leaders like Paul Cornell who wrote about Doctor Who a lot and just completely savaged this story uh, every chance that they get got. Um, and, you know, here's like a very good quote where he says, somebody somewhere should have thrown this script in the bin the moment it had a Concord crash landing in Jurassic England. Um, so it was just... Like everybody really hated this. Uh, all, all of the sort of like Doctor Who scholar people really hated this story, and so, so it just grew in legendary status as one of the worst Doctor Who stories ever. That's so interesting to me. I, I, one of my, I, I, it's so interesting when how a fandom can influence the legacy of a thing mm-hmm. in the canon. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I think. I think Doctor Who episodes have had weirder, worse openings than a, 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 a plane arrives in the in the Jurassic period. Yeah, I guess my my issue with it is that nothing they don't do anything with that. Yeah, for, I, I yeah. agree with that. They're like, we um, sure are in the Jurassic period. You'll never know why or have any reference to that, but we could <laughs> literally be anywhere. Sure. It's like we're we're trapped in the Jurassic period, and our main villain is like a mud wizard. <laughs> uh, a, mud, like, a mud wi- wizard of uh, of the yellow face variety. Sure, yeah. and I guess in retrospect, that is revealed to be like the master caking himself with mud. <laughs> right. We'll yeah. talk about it. Time Flight Part 1, written by Peter Grimwade, directed by Ron Jones, produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Eric Sayward. Air date, March 22nd, 1982. A Concorde flight heading into Heathrow from New York City suddenly vanishes on the radar. Meanwhile, in the TARDIS, the Doctor, Nyssa, and Tegan talk about Adric's death. Tegan begs the Doctor to go back in time and save him, but the Doctor refuses, saying there are laws of time even he cannot break. To try to cheer the girls up, he promises to take them to the Great Exhibition of 1851, but encounters some turbulence and ends up landing in Heathrow Airport instead. The Doctor references Unit to get them out of trouble, and as a result, the TARDIS crew is roped into helping with locating the missing plane. They board a similar Concorde, and the captain follows the flight path and descent of the original plane to try to discover any cause for the disappearance. After a bit more turbulence, however, the plane lands safely back at Heathrow. Nyssa suddenly sees a bunch of skeletons and screams, alerting the doctor that something is wrong. Because of, quote, psychokinetic energy, they are all under the illusion that they are at Heathrow, but once the illusion is broken, it is revealed that they have traveled back in time 140 million years to the Jurassic era. And I wish there were dinosaurs or something, because that would be way cooler. But instead, there's a large pyramid-like citadel in the distance, the missing plane, the original crew and passengers all of whom seem to still be under the influence of the illusion, except for Professor Hader, who has resisted. Two of the officers aboard the second plane see people carrying the TARDIS to the Citadel and investigate, but they are captured and also hypnotized, and there's a sudden appearance of blob creatures called plasmatons for some reason. We open somewhat uh, auspiciously. Uh, Adric is dead. The boy is dead. (laughs) 
nothing else will make that's, sense if the, that, if the listener doesn't start, understand that. That's what would start the opening crawl. It would Adric is dead. <laughs> Adric is dead. Uh, man, my favorite post crawl thing is in uh, Revenge of the Sith, which is war. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, the it, it's it's the Adric scene was weird. I wrote in my notes, and I actually did take notes. So we. Uh, for this one, just to kind of keep track of all, all the stuff that happens, um, they kind of treat Adric dying like a pet, like an yep. animal's died. Yep. <laughs> I mean, he was kind of a pet. Yeah. There was just like the fact that he he's like, oh, it's okay. Like he wouldn't. We'll go to the fair. Let's go to the first ever fair. Like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> he's he's just in a in a big rush. For for Nissa and Tegan to like not be sad anymore. Like I'll a, buy you a, both a, goldfish. <laughs> that one can be Adric, and this one can be Adric. Adric one and Adric two. You lose one oh, and no. you get two. <laughs> I'm a good dad. <laughs> and, and Adric would have loved that joke. He loves math. He loves math, <laughs> and he loves the Victorian science. <laughs> Culture. Oh man! <laughs> uh, shout out! I like they bring up Varsh, his brother, which I had totally forgotten about. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and so they but they don't go to they don't go to the Great Exhibition of eighteen fifty one. They go to Heathrow Airport again, uh, which, which which made me laugh when like when like they look out the window or he pulls up the blinds and it just says like Heathrow. Yeah. Yeah. A whole, then, a whole airplane yeah. disappeared also. Yeah. Uh, I, I also was a really big fan of the doctor saying it's not a matter of where, but when. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mm. of course. And I'm I'm always a big fan of the doctor pulling like uh, like really like cheesy one-liners like that. Sure. You know, <laughs> I just like I'm always a big fan of that where it's just like, this is a time travel show. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why do I? I always kind of get in a good way. In a good, I always get like Captain Hammer vibes from the Fifth Doctor. Can, oh, interesting. That's bizarre. I don't know. It's just like his square chin and his puffed out chest, and he's, he's just like he's blonde. I don't know. It's just kind of like a Wonder Boy like quality from him that's <laughs> missing from the other Doctors. He just seems like the most jockish Doctor to me, in a good way. Honestly, huge missed opportunity by. Uh, by uh, uh, Dan Harmon and and crew over at Community for not having Nathan Fillion play Doctor Spacetime or Inspector Spacetime. Yeah, like oh, Inspector Spacetime. Yeah. yeah, like an American Inspector Spacetime. Yeah, right. <laughs> when it becomes like a shitty like hour long. Right. <laughs> it's not a question of where, but when. <laughs> bloop bleep bloop. I haven't thought about David Fillion in a minute. I, I would just, I would just picture, I would picture like that being like, uh, like, like a CSI Miami kind of thing. Like, definitely. Oh my god! Space yes. time. He puts on the sunglasses. Not a matter of where, but when. Yeah. <laughs> Jake Johnson's like his bartender. <laughs> yeah. Look, space time. You can't just go around busting heads, man. Have a beer. Space time. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> your Jake Johnson sounds a lot like your Michael J. Fox. Yeah, wow. Kind of similar vibes. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I really like the uh I really like the air the airplane pilots in this. They had like a real fun attitude the whole time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, uh, I like them. I like them. I, I'm. I think this is one of the things that that I think a, a particular storyline with them is one of the things that Cass probably hates the most about this story. Oh, uh, Bilton. Oh, yeah. Bilton and Scobie. Bilton and Scobie are the main two that I. Yeah, liked. I know your brand, Cass. I know. I I know what you hate. Yeah. <laughs> I also know what you love. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so there there's like missing planes and missing air 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 flight personnel. Bippa bappa bongo. We end up in the Jurassic era. Uh, <laughs> they find the missing Concord. I well, I do, so, but I do love all the adventures in the airport. Like I love them just oh, yeah. being like just appearing in the middle of Heathrow Airport and some security guy going, "Hmm, I don't think that belongs there." Just <laughs> oh, that's weird. <laughs> Oi. <laughs> Very strange indeed. Um, is it just me, or was everyone at Heathrow, or like at least most of the people in Heathrow? I feel like Tegan was the only Australian. Oh, definitely. <laughs> okay. <No. laughs> I feel like everyone else was just regular British, not Australian. Yeah, I, I, I actually had to keep reminding myself, like, oh yeah, they're in Heathrow. Like, yeah, right. Okay. I'm glad that it's it, weird. It's not it, just me. It's somehow weirder when they're like in Spain and everyone. It's not weirder when they have like when they're in Spain or Ireland or and everyone has a British accent. It's somehow less weird than when they're in Australia and no one is speaking with an Australian dialect. Yeah. Oh, he throws in um, London. Oh, my bad. Really? Oh, I, I thought it was like else. the Sydney airport. Yeah. Okay. No, no. Oh, okay. Well, she kept asking like where she was like, that's Heathrow Airport. And she was acting like she was home. And so I think I just assumed that she was in Australia. Um, I think Tegan, if I remember correctly, Tegan's whole thing is that she has like an aunt or something in London. And then like, that's why she's in London. And she's like, I'm from Australia. I'm a plucky stewardess. Uh, blah, 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 blah. So, okay. For some reason, I just wow, assumed she was in, we were like in Australia whenever. No, no, no. Okay. Maybe because I just <laughs> say it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Also, he yeah, Heathrow. That's why everyone's British. Heathrow sounds sounds like an Australian thing to me. I don't know Heathrow. Right, flying over to Heathrow. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where you flying out from Heathrow? Yeah, been there. Yeah, get on you. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay. Anyway, but yeah, I do. I love. I love all the airport stuff. I actually don't mind part one. It's as we go along that the the story is like. Yikes. Um My my main thing with this story, yellow face aside. Uh-huh. That's the obvious um, thing for sure. Planes are cool and <laughs> the story manages to make planes not cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, like they kept talking, they kept really talking up the Concorde like it was some state of the art. And maybe it was back in the, I actually wanted to almost look up the Concorde, but I don't know. It was just like a weird 80s plane. Mhm. It's like a weird commercial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be like if, yeah, the 13th Doctor was like, we have to find the 2020 Nissan Altima. <laughs> it's oh, so man. cool. <laughs> um, let's but yeah, and see. then like those weird, it, it ends with the weird, the weird bubble, the weird bubble monsters, the plasmatrons. Oh, yeah, right. Plas- plasmatons. 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 The plasmatrons are very different. Blobs of protein. 
<laughs> from the atmosphere. Assembled uh, from random particles that are held together by the same yeah. kinetic energy. That is, and that was that. I I just read the 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 cliffhanger in the TARDIS wiki, um, and I I know you only heard half of that because you all fall, fell asleep halfway through me saying that, <laughs> which is which is a shame because they look kind of cool. I mean, as far as like in the in the on the menu of Doctor Who cliffhangers where it's like hanging off of a cliff. Or about to get like drowned, or or something's about to overwhelm the hero. I like I like monster reveals, and so yeah. the sudden reveal of the plasmaton. I was like, oh, what are those things? Which is like an okay <laughs> reaction to it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> they look like they look like rocks. They look like rock people. Like yeah. What? Mm-hmm. In the grand scheme of things, the cliffhangers in this are not the worst cliffhangers like none of them are executed particularly well but i think that like with a better writer these cliffhangers could have been fine <laughs> they could have been elevated sure. to fine <laughs> i mean acceptable yeah acceptable I mean, it's, literally, it's literally kind of like an axe cop reveal they just like appear <laughs> yeah <laughs> god and then there were plasmatons Oh man, my kingdom for like Axe Cop as a companion. <laughs> Doctor. <laughs> I am Axe Cop. I, can't I will cut their head off. Heads off. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great if the Doctor had like a barbarian companion. Oh, buddy. Yeah, I can't, can't wait. wait for that one. <laughs> oh no, have I, is there a companion I haven't met yet? Oh yeah, there's lots of companions you haven't met yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, Jamie, there's would, one, Jamie, there's, there's one coming that you're going to be really into if that's what you like. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jamie's kind of Do a barbarian. Like- <laughs> I was going to say Jamie's like, yeah, Jamie's the closest I've gotten so far. <laughs> Do you like feral barbarian women? Because because <laughs> <laughs> the doctor does. Yep. <laughs> Uh, he lo- he loves keeping her around because he likes calling her an idiot all the time. Um, That's you true. stupid moron! <laughs> Very British of him. You stupid beast! Beast! <laughs> I wish five was mean. That's what I would be cool. You math beast! <laughs> five being mean is what gave us six. That's true. That is true. Time Flight Part 2, written by Peter Grimwade, directed by Ron Jones, produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Eric Sayward, air date March 29th, 1982. So the person in charge of this whole thing is a guy calling himself Khalid, and the character is a horribly offensive yellow-faced caricature for no reason. He has a crystal ball that he says nonsense words into to manipulate the energy. Hooray! Uh, Nissa is somehow sympathetic with all the energy, so she starts getting weird visions and hearing voices, and is cocooned by some of the plasmatons. Tegan is left to watch after Nissa, and the doctor leaves for the Citadel with the professor and plane captain in tow. They encounter Khalid in the Citadel, as well as a bunch of the passengers, brainwashed into trying to break into a closed-off chamber inside the pyramid. Khalid wants the doctor's TARDIS, and tries to brainwash the doctor, the professor, and the captain into handing it over. 
the plasmatons encasing Nissa disperse and the girls head into the citadel where they see a bunch of illusions trying to stop them from proceeding including an apparition of Adric who tells them he'll die if they continue but they see through the illusion and enter the center of the citadel Nissa throws an orb into this big tank in the middle of the room and there's an explosion the feedback causes Khalid to be thrown onto the ground and his face starts melting more than it already is but it's a mask and underneath it is the master bad news we meet Khaled it sucks <laughs> he he looks like yeah he's got like the Fu Manchu mustache he's wearing like robes uh, and they're like uh, it's not yellow face if he's not yellow like he's yeah <laughs> it really feels like they're like oh man we found a great loophole <laughs> we make his skin gray and like it's just goop falling off of his yeah. face he, he looks like he looks like if you stayed, if you just submerged yourself in a bathtub for like hours and got pruny like all over your body, including your face, and then that pruniness was also like, like Clayface not being able to quite <laughs> use his powers properly, like he can't sure. can't quite get there. He's a little little no. tired. Yeah, I don't know. It's real bad. It's real. It looks it's kind of, terrible. It's, it's like if it's like if Ursula the sea witch from Little Mermaid was melting. Like <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it's terrible. It's and it's it's yeah. some of the worst makeup. Like I wonder if their makeup guy <clears throat> or or lady like just couldn't make it to set for this. And John Nathan Turner was just like I oh, go out. It, it just. It was just took, just put some clay mask on his just face. Took the alien just smushed some like m- muddy clay like all over his face. Stuck on like just stuck on some Fu Manchu facial hair. I was like, there you go. Uh, like I guess I'll put like, it out him, of, Tony. Like, <laughs> I guess kind of like a meta gaming excuse is that it's like the master just like just pulling a disguise out of his butt and just like gathering what he had. And I mean, it literally looks like he pulled it out of his butt. (laughs) Yeah. No. (laughs) Uh, It is like, it is in a show that is notorious for having not great makeup. This is probably the worst makeup in the entire series. I felt bad for the actor until I found out who it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was like, Oh, this poor, this poor day player. Yeah, not a day player, uh, but all, but also like I just hate the way he sounds and the 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 little like the weird like the, the yeah. chanting thing that he does. Like I just hate everything, everything what about is what's the happening. Point? It's the worst. Like what is the point? I don't know. I think just, of- why is he even doing it? There's there's no one around. He's not putting on a show for anyone but us. I know. It's bad. It's, it's bad, fam. It's so bad. You know, that's true. He's only he's only tricking us, the viewer. Yeah, there's no one in the room with him. Uh it's almost so, as if like the people. It's almost the, as if the people that he like brainwashed from the other plane don't know who the master no. is. Like it's not like it's almost as if Peter Grimwade uh, had already written a story where this was the legitimate villain, and then was just like, "You need to make it the master," and so he just. He only wrote the cliffhanger at the end of part two and then just but didn't change master. anything else. I don't need to change anything else. Who cares? 
It's a kid's show. Uh, some stuff that isn't Khaled. Uh, Nissa gets like cover. Gets, gets like cocooned by the bubbles. Yeah. Yeah. Nissa getting possessed was weird. Yeah. Yeah. And was then this Tegan the? Just being uh, like, I just this, was this the one where she couldn't breathe for a second? Was this? Was that in this one or is that part three? Oh, I in think real so? life? No, 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 no. In the show. <laughs> Where he, she's like leaning against a wall or against a rock, and she's like, <gasps> "Is that in this one?" Yes, I think that's in this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, it's a bummer. Yeah, she's in a coma for like ten minutes. I don't like. I don't like watching Nissa struggle. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she's been through so much. <laughs> she has. You don't know the half of it. <laughs> uh. Oh, oh, they, uh, they, so like, yeah, but then she frees herself and the girls are like walking to the Citadel and they meet, uh, they meet holographic Adric. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, I really liked the, uh, the thing about how they had to trick the audience, like by including him in the credits. Yeah. And I thought that, I, th- I thought that was savvy, but like, yeah. oh, he's technically in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't want anyone to know that he he died. They're like, oh, they might they might know that he died. They might figure out that he died. And it's like, th- no companion had ever died on the show. So like, no major one anyway. So it's like they would have just assumed he left. They wouldn't know that he died. Mm. It'd still be a shock. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to chill out. <laughs> but I'm glad that was Adric's final scene. Now that's really how I'd like to sum up this whole story. Everybody needs to chill out. <laughs> Anthony Anley needs to chill out. Mm-hmm. Tegan probably uh, needs to chill out. But I'll admit, man, I'll admit, guys, this this twist got me. I did not see it being the master coming. Okay. I don't know if you guys brought it up or I had just forgotten about it, but when he was like, you stupid idiot, it's me. And he's just like <laughs> laughing. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like uh it's like uh what's her name from arrested development? Yeah, time. for sure, for real. Yeah. I was like, "Whoa, it was you too." I didn't know this was a master story. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that would have made me happier if it was a, a Dalek in disguise. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. You could have fit a Dalek under there. You know what else he reminded right? me of was uh was the 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 fishbowl magician in uh the Prestige. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. Also a disguise. Also a disguise. Exactly. Yeah. Um, same shape, because he had to hide a fishbowl under there. Time flight part three, written by Peter Grimwade, directed by Ron Jones, produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Eric Sayward. Air date April fifth, nineteen eighty two. The Master is stranded and needs a new power source for his TARDIS, which is what is in the central chamber. He steals the Doctor's TARDIS to try to get in the chamber another way, since the brainwashed prisoners are working too slowly, but the Doctor rigged it so it won't take him to the chamber. So he formulates another plan inside his own TARDIS. The Captain and his co-pilot also sneak aboard. The Doctor and the Professor get inside the chamber, and the Doctor is reunited with Nyssa and Tegan. Inside the tank is the consciousness of a whole species called the Xerophon, who came here to escape an interplanetary war, and that is what the Master wants to use to power his TARDIS. The Professor is drawn into the consciousness with promises of untold knowledge, and his body is destroyed, and his consciousness is absorbed. There is a good and evil entity, and they are struggling for control. 
Meanwhile, inside the TARDIS, the captain breaks stuff to sabotage the master, even though his TARDIS could feasibly be the only thing to get them back to modern-day England, but whatever. So the master catches them and kicks them out and rigs some kind of timey-wimey science loop and wins over the Xerophon, and the tank is transferred inside the master's TARDIS. Uh, and then, yeah, it's a master story. So part three, we, we start just getting into the, you know, he, he wants stuff out. He wants TARDIS guts. He always wants TARDIS guts. <sighs> Give me TARDIS guts. <laughs> My other thing about this is this wouldn't be as terrible if it was only three parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, um, like, watching it, I was like, oh, the master's been revealed already. What else can happen? <laughs> womp, Turns womp. out, like, not much. <laughs> not, yeah. Not yeah. much. Yeah, he, uh, he, the doctor identifies the the aliens that they're something called yeah they're called the Zeraphin, which this episode was almost called uh the professor a professor dies there's a, this is like the third time in a row that a scientist professor episode has run into a a machine to die <laughs> Colli- like directly collided with a machine and then had to like star trek die <laughs> there can only be one yeah what was the what was the cliffhanger for part three? Uh the the master has finally defeated the doctor once and for all. Oh, really? oh like, what does that mean? It means the doctor it means the master's defeated me once and for all. <laughs> like to the camera. <laughs> and then like literally you come back and it's just like it's just like Tegan going like, No, he hasn't. Don't say anything like that. He's like, Oh, you're right. I'll think of something. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> the story sucks. The story I'm so angry. <laughs> it means we've lost. No, it doesn't. You're no. right. You're right. I just just a bit of positive thinking. <laughs> Can you imagine just like randomly in episode nine or something? The Princess Leia's like it means we're all dead. Oh wait. <laughs> like, come on. You're supposed to be the dad. Time Flight Part 4, written by Peter Grimwade, directed by Ron Jones, produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Eric Sayward, air date April 12th, 1982. The Master tries to leave with a bunch of the brainwashed prisoners as hostages but can't due to the sabotage. The Doctor and the Master negotiate, and the Doctor manages to get all the passengers released and they swap some parts so that both TARDISes will work. Everyone gets on the second plane, and the captain flies them out of there and back to modern-day England with help from the doctor. When the master tries to land, his TARDIS is shunted back into the time vortex, and he's sent to the Xerophon's original planet. The doctor is in a hurry to leave, and as a result, leaves Tegan behind at the airport she's been trying all season to get back to, but now she's really sad about it. And yes, that's all that happens in this part. Uh, wow. And so, yeah, like the uh, the two the two the two airplane pilots they like sabotage the TARDIS because they think that the master's trying to steal it, <sighs> but he really just needed like one part, so they just jacked up the TARDIS <laughs> for no reason. We've talked about this on the show, right? Ooh. I hate it when people that are not the Doctor fly the TARDIS. Yes. I hate it so much. I know you do. They're airplane pilots, Cass. God, I don't care. Like. Like, even when Nyssa does it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I know you're a super smart alien princess or whatever, but, like, come on. Oh, um, 
some stray notes. Uh, there's a part in episode three where Professor or Professor Hader is telling, I think it was Nissa, was like, you have to focus on something you're very sure of. Family, fish and chips, anything. <laughs> uh. And uh, And there's a really cool part in four... In the fourth episode where uh, Tegan says that the doctor has a habit of collecting spare parts. I'm like, oh, I like that. Yes. Trying to find the positives. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Oh, there's a part in part four where they're all just like uh, bumping into each other at the end. And one of them says, this place really is like Heathrow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then what else? Uh... I don't know. <laughs> it's over. They oh, go home. I, I mean, freaking, I mean, freaking Tegan leaves the show. Uh, yeah. Well, she just gets left behind. This was written in because John Nathan Turner wanted a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to end the season on a cliffhanger because this is this is this story is actually the end of season nineteen. Great. They should have ended it with Earthshock. Yep. <laughs> Like how do you beat how do you beat a companion dying? For the I don't know. Time? They should have they should have ended it with Earthshock and then just scrapped this episode entirely. The story. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, I will say that I do like that the airplane pilots are like down for anything. They're just like, oh yeah, seems legit. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. What if, so much. What if all the pilots have become new companions? <laughs> oh hell yeah! <laughs> and they just stayed dressed like pilots all the time. <laughs> I mean, Tegan's in her dumb, like, like, uh... Stewardess outfit? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, and they just kept calling him Captain Doctor. Captain Doctor? <laughs> Captain Doctor. <laughs> you are now free to move about the cabin. Uh, did, we t- did we talk about how, uh, how, how Tegan, uh, flight attendances, all of the, all of the people in the Jurassic yeah. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was a really weird part where someone was like, they're your responsibility, Tegan. I'm like, why? What, since when? Because she's a flight attendant? Yeah, she wants to, she's got to go back to doing her job. She's really good yeah. at it. I'll say that. <laughs> How hilarious like would it have been? the if... only thing she's been good, good at this whole time. Yeah, it'd be, like, it'd be like if they found like a random episode where Amy had to like pretend to be a kiss a person again, but like in, on a different planet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really hate season 19 Tegan. Uh, like, she's real not good. Season 20 Tegan is much better. Oh, cool. I think. But maybe yeah. m- maybe Cass disagrees. I don't know. I don't even... Uh, I don't remember what stories happen in season 20. I mean, I know, like, five doctors. And uh, and they get... Uh, what's his face? One that... that oh, Turlo? Yeah, Turlo. Yeah. Turlo and Tegan yeah. are fun. Yeah. Yeah. So let's I like I like season twenty Tegan a lot more than season nineteen Tegan. Season nineteen Tegan, she's just constantly whining about wanting to go home and then she gets to go home and she's just like, um, you know, being with the doctor's not too bad. Oh, they left me. Okay. Well, that sucks. Yeah, the, it was really awkwardly executed. Yeah. Like it was kind of like an afterthought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is really weird coming off of like such a deliberate definitive end for a companion literally the episode before. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. It was weird. Is this one of the weirder companion departures that we have? No pun intended. Uh, well, that's the thing. It's not a companion departure. It's just a cliffhanger. 
Oh, so she comes back. Yeah, she comes back in season 20. It's like Friends. Yeah. She comes back after like a story. She gets off the plane. No, she's in the very next story. Is she? Yeah. I thought she's like, she leaves and then like she, oh, I don't remember. No, I think the very next story is the one with um, uh, uh, Omega, right? Omega? Omega. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Isn't that the very next, and that's her first one, right? First one back? I don't know. It's been a while. The next one is Arc of Infinity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Tegan. I don't. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because she's just like vacationing. Right. And then the doctor's like, oh, you're here. Oh, you again. <laughs> what? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you again. And she's like, you left me behind. And he's like, I thought you wanted to be there. Well, all right. Come on. <laughs> that was 38 years ago. <laughs> I think I think the worst companion departure is Dodo. Because um, that happens off screen. Yeah, Dodo is definitely the worst again. one. Yeah, for sure. And Nick is thinking right now, there's a companion <laughs> named Dodo. <laughs> Is that her and name? I wish she was. Yeah, I name, wish she was Dodo. cooler. Yeah. Is that her name, or is that what the doctor calls her? No, no, that's her. That's her name. Um. Okay. I think her name is like Dorothy, and she's like, "I called Dodo," and I'm like, "Why?" I call Dodo, <laughs> or I'm called oh, Dodo. Yeah. <laughs> then that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, next next time we talk about the fifth doctor, uh, the first first uh, story of season twenty is Arc of Infinity, and that's Omega. Omega. Uh, and uh, Oh, right, because season 20 is the one with all the return villains. Yeah. Okay. For the, for the anniversary. Oh. I like Omega. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got nothing against Omega. <laughs> You've never, have you met him? <laughs> you haven't met him. You don't know why Omega. Have, Omega. <laughs> then why have we talked about him before? <laughs> because we've, we've just talked about him in general. Huh. I brought him up mostly about pronunciation. It's like Time Lord Mythos stuff. Yeah. Okay, okay, so we've talked about him. We've talked we mm-hmm. haven't even really talked about him. We've just talked about the pronunciation of his name, which is he's o- Omega, but for some reason I got yelled at a lot because uh British listeners was like he's pronu- it's actually Omega. <laughs> like I don't I really don't think that's true. I think well, I'm just glad they're still talking to us. Think you're trying to make a fool of me. <laughs> oh, this guy looks sick. Yeah. Look at this guy. Looks like the Witch King. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, kind of. That's next time. Ah. <sighs> Arco Infinity. Oh, time flight. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Next, uh, next season has some good stuff for the for the Fifth Doctor. Honestly, because it's like, uh, it's like Arc of Infinity, um, Arc of Infinity, Snake Dance, Modern Undead, Ooh. Terminus, Enlightenment, and the King's Demons. Like that's a good season. Oh, cool! I'm I'm really I'm really hungry to like the fifth one. I know he's like David Tennant's favorite. Yeah, is Modern Undead the one with the brigadier? Yep. Hell yeah! Okay, cool. Yep, yep, oh, yep. I like the uh, I, I like the little brigadier reference that we get when he's like, "Oh, or is, yeah, he, or yeah, is he general yeah. by now?" Oh yeah, that was really good. <laughs> that was really good. Um, yeah, and then I think the season finale ish air, air quotes because it's not like a technical. It's like it's technically a special, but it's the season finale of season twenty is the five doctors. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's fun. Yeah, season twenty is good. I like I like season twenty. Um, season twenty one is where it starts getting a little long in the tooth, but understandable. But but then again, the last two stories are real good in season twenty one. So that's when it started happening for Supernatural. 
season 21. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's about where it started working out. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have anything else. I'm, I'm just, nope. I'm, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad I never have to watch that story again. <sighs> you don't <Yeah>. know that. <laughs> you don't know that. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Knowing it was the master made that reveal worse for me. Like, I don't know about you. <laughs> That's right. But I'm like, this is so stupid. I hate this. Like, yeah. he's just muttering to my cat. I, I just, I, I, I just hate, I just hate time flight. It's really bad. Again, the first part of it, the fir- the first episode is pretty good. Like, I like the first episode, actually. Um, mm. It's everything after that, that I just want to gouge out my eyes <laughs> it's it's it, it, it's weird thinking now that we actually haven't missed anything what like it feels like it feels like there's a whole episode that we haven't talked about oh yeah i we know barely, <laughs> we, we, bar- we barely talked about the episode like plot wise but there's nothing there's nothing yeah there, there, it, it's like i don't know just just like a bunch of people like seeing stuff that isn't there and then, like, working together as a team to build stuff. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the parents' plot in the Power Rangers movie. Oh, yeah, where it's like I'm enslaving these people and making them, like, chip away at a rock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, the master – oh, man. If, if, if Ivan Ooze had taken off his costume and he was the master the whole time, <sighs> that would have been, been pretty good. That would have yeah. been pretty good. <laughs> Taking another quack at it. That would have been pretty good. Um, yeah, I when I found out who played Ivan Ooze, that like blew my mind. Yeah, I don't remember what I found that out on a podcast. I don't remember which podcast it was. Uh, it, it was Cornetto Minute because he's played by Mr. Paul Freeman. All right, that's right. Yeah, man. What? Yeah, Paul Freeman plays Ivan Ooze. Belloc from yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, Belloc from Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> oh, it's the most insane thing. Good All lord. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for joining us on this, our most exciting adventure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as um. always, uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook group, unless you deleted your Facebook. Patreon, duelinggenre.com slash support. Public, we have all kinds of great shirts. Uh, duelinggenre.com slash merch. Uh, let us know if there's any uh, any fun Doctor Who merch you would buy. Uh, Fat Stupid Robots is coming, we promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, we just have to uh, work out all the kinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon.com, duelinggenre.com slash Amazon uh, helps us out a little bit. And uh, we will see you guys next time for Revelation of the Daleks.